0: This is Airing Pain, a programme brought to you by Pain Concern, the UK charity providing information and support for those of us living with pain and for those who care for us. This edition of Airing Pain has been supported by a grant from the Doyley Cart Charitable Trust. I'm Paul Evans.
1: Less than a third of people with osteoporotic vertebral fractures are being identified. If we can find people who have vertebral fractures, we can give medications to reduce the risk of future fractures. We can reduce the risk of a hip fracture by about half. And that is so important because hip fractures for the individual can be a disaster.
0: Osteoporosis is a condition where bones lose their strength and become fragile. It's sometimes referred to as the silent disease because although almost 3 million people in the UK are estimated to have it, few know that they do have it until, that is, they break a bone, most likely in their wrist, hip or spine. And according to the charity Age UK, there are more than 300,000 fractures every year due to osteoporosis. Emma Clark is consultant rheumatologist at Bristol's Southmead Hospital. She's also a reader in rheumatology at the University of Bristol, where she does research into osteoporosis.
1: As we get older, like many parts of our body, our bones age. And with time, they become thinner, both the outside of the bone, but also the struts uh, that which make up the mesh-like structure inside the bone. And this means the bones become uh, more fragile, and easier to break. And it is this combination of the thinner bones and the increased risk of them breaking that we call osteoporosis. So our bones um, develop obviously from the time we're born um, and they carry on through adolescence, through growth. Interestingly, even after we stop growing um, around 15 or 16, our bones continue to strengthen up probably until mid-20s or late-20s. And at that point, that is what we call peak bone mass.
0: Let me go back to the beginning. It's quite pertinent for me because my granddaughter has just broken her hand or broken her knuckle and she is seven years old. What they've explained is it's not actually real bone that she's broken, it's what might turn into a bone. Yeah. So what is the development of a bone from early age?
1: So we've got different types of bones, um, but generally our bones are laid down actually when we are a foetus. Inside the uterus, Our the pattern of our skeleton is laid down as cartilage, and then it turns into bones as we age. Now, our bones finish growing, so the cartilage finishes turning into bone, at the time of adolescence when we stop growing up in height. But they can still thicken up, as I said, until late 20s. And it's very interesting that your poor granddaughter has broken her knuckle because actually childhood fractures are really common and they do not mean that that child is going to get osteoporosis. And I think that's really key. Probably 45% of girls and 30% of boys will break a bone um, before they reach adult height. And it is an indicator that they are doing activities. It's it's more of a marker, really, of... um, sort of exposure to injuries so in some ways it might be good because it means that these children are running around doing activity doing you know being physical which is what we want to encourage
0: well that is quite encouraging because two of my grandchildren have just broken bones one in the leg and one in the knuckle as i said mm. so at the age of 30 you were saying yeah bones are fully grown at their peak yes
1: Absolutely, at their peak. And then they stay like that until we develop the natural sort of age-related bone loss, which is actually the same in men and women. But women have this little acceleration during the menopause. And of course, women are generally smaller than men anyway. So women's peak bone mass is lower than men's. And then they have this period of accelerated bone loss around the time of the menopause. But then both men and women, do lose bone as we get older. Why is that? Our bones are not actually a rigid, static machine that just Stays there. You may not wish to know this, but every second of every minute of every day, we have these cells living on our bones that keep them healthy. And we have this um, really big cell called um, an osteoclast that wanders over the surface of the bone and takes out little bites. We don't know necessarily why, um, but we wonder if it does it because it's found a, a fatigued area that's a bit worn, perhaps, or is. Got a micro crack in it, we don't really know. And then behind it, along come these other cells called osteoblasts that fill it in again with new bone. So our skeleton is continuously bubbling along. Um, So we've got these cells that are maintaining our bone health, and we think that with age, the osteoblasts that build bone just you know, get a bit old. And they don't do what they used to do. So the osteoclasts that take the bites out continue, but the osteoblasts are no longer quite so efficient. So they don't fill it in quite so well. So the net effect of this is that um, our bones generally become a bit thinner.
0: Well, the next question is, does osteoporosis mean pain?
1: Yeah. So I think that's a really, really important question because On its own, osteoporosis is painless. So you don't know that you have osteoporosis because it has no symptoms. It becomes painful only when you break a bone.
0: And which bones are right in the front line of risk?
1: We know there are a cluster of broken bones that are more likely in people with osteoporosis. And these are the wrist, the forearm, you might have heard of it, called the colleys fracture the upper arm, so the humerus which is the the top of it near the shoulder, the hip and a bone in the back, so the vertebral body. And they break in different ways, the hip, forearm and upper arm snap. Um, you can think of it like a twig being broken, whereas the bone in the back does not snap in half. Instead, that is like, if you imagine a piece of coral on the beach and you stand on it, it can crush down a little bit. And that's a, a process that starts gradually, But they, so they change shape and become going from a rectangular shape to more of a triangular shape because the front of the bone squashes down, and that is a broken bone.
0: Do you mean they're sort of crumbling?
1: No, um, I don't think the bones are crumbling away because that suggests, in my mind, you know, fragmentation or bits of them fall off. My impression from speaking to patients in clinic is that people um, use the term crumbling bones to also mean osteoarthritis, which is a completely separate disease to osteoporosis, Osteo. Arthritis is the wear and tear arthritis where our joints become worn with age and that is completely separate to osteoporosis which is purely about risk of fracture.
0: So how does one fracture a bone in the vertebrae? Mm.
1: Well actually we don't really know, we don't have the full answers. We've got stories from patients so uh, a typical story might just be something simple like reaching up into a cupboard or reaching up outside to hang some washing on the line and oh a sudden sort of twinge in the back patients describe being outside walking and stepping off a high curb and just the jarring jarring. nature Um, oh pull again a, a pain in the back but not every patient knows when they have broken a bone in their back because it in some people is not necessarily that painful. Another typical story actually is moving those bins outside, those great big black bins that the lorries pick up. And a typical thing is that a patient describes pulling it up up the drive and then trying to twist and pull it into the the little cupboard where it's meant to go. And that twisting, pulling of quite a heavy thing causes sudden pain in the back, which I think lots of patients think, I've pulled a muscle. I was very silly, I shouldn't have done that. I pulled a muscle and I think it may be that actually osteoporotic fractures cannot necessarily be that painful when they start. So some patients definitely describe a very sudden onset, um, severe pain when their vertebral fracture occurs. One of my patients was on holiday in New York. Um, She'd never been to the States before and she stepped off a curb and the sudden onset pain in her back was so bad, she thought she'd been shot. She thought it was more likely that she had been shot in New York than had broken a bone in her back when she thought about it. You know, so sudden, absolute agony, sudden onset pain. But I think that's really pretty unusual. But the vast majority of people do not go to their GP or go to hospital with a vertebral fracture because it probably is not that painful. And all they expect back pain. You know, I think it's something within our culture that we expect as we get older, we're going to get back pain. And so when we do something silly like pull our Sulo bin or try and lift up a plant pot using a very bad posture, and we develop sudden onset pain in our back that's not too bad, we think, oh, well, that's my fault, I've pulled a muscle. And we just wait for it to get better, which... It probably does that acute pain over about six weeks.
0: So is that okay if I were putting out my bins and I twisted and I felt something in my back Mm. through 62 years' experience, Mm. I would think, oh, I pulled a muscle, Mm. it'll be be Mm. okay. Should we be going to the doctor Mm -hmm. then?
1: If we think about adults in general, the vast majority of situations like that will be a pulled muscle. But perhaps in somebody who's quite old, and I don't know what that means... You know, I don't want to put an age on it because we all age differently. Um, Perhaps someone who's frail, perhaps someone who's got risk factors for osteoporosis. So perhaps those who are on steroids for other diseases such as asthma, rheumatoid arthritis, bowel disorders, and people who are heavy smokers, people who are frail. When people become quite thin, less mobile, have quite a few other illnesses take many many medications that whole package you know it's quite difficult to describe frailty but we all recognize someone who is frail perhaps people who are frail who do that and develop sudden onset back pain or someone who's on steroids they should consider going to their GP or somebody within their practice it may be uh, another allied health professional such as a nurse or physiotherapist just to and be assessed to make sure they haven't had a vertebral fracture because having a vertebral fracture means you are at one of the highest risks of having another fracture including a hip fracture and hip fractures are completely devastating and so if we can find people who have vertebral fractures we can give medications to reduce the risk of future fractures we can reduce the risk of a hip fracture by about half all of the evidence suggests And that is so important because hip fractures for the individual can be a disaster. I think 20% of people are not alive 12 months after their hip fracture. Uh, A third of people cannot go back to their living arrangements that they had before. They need additional help. They need to change living upstairs to downstairs. They need to go to nursing homes or more sheltered accommodation. And they're very expensive. They cost the NHS lots of money. And so we've got a very good medication that we can use to reduce that risk. But at the moment, less than a third of people with osteoporotic vertebral fractures are being identified through a variety of reasons, I have to say. Uh, But one of which I think is we don't really understand the typical story of somebody with an osteoporotic vertebral fracture. And that's where I'm focusing my research at the moment.
0: Well, what don't we understand and what is your research?
1: Yeah. One of the problems is that back pain is very, very common and people find it very, very uninteresting. And by people I mean family members, I mean doctors, I mean it's just
0: another ache and pain.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And so when someone says in a clinical situation, I have back pain, the most common reaction to that is, oh, and just note it down. Rather than saying, well, tell me about that. Where is it? What is it like? How did it start? What makes it worse? What makes it better? And my research is really trying to find out, is there a difference in back pain between someone with a vertebral fracture and someone without? And I think it's clear that there is a difference. For example, people with back pain and osteoporotic vertebral fractures describe a chronic background pain that they describe as grinding, gnawing, sort of a dull ache and it's not necessarily in the centre of the back, it's often a bit more around the sides and that is probably because um, when you have one or more Broken bones in the back. The shape of your back has changed. The height of your back is shorter. You shrunk a bit. So all of the tissues, the muscles, the ligaments, the ribs are now in less space. Your trunk has shrunk and changed, and that gives sensations, you know, around the waist area that that might be described as grinding or or a dull ache. We also find that there is a difference in the pain that happens with daily activities and movements. So patients with vertebral fractures describe pain in their back or trunk region, building with activity and reaching a real crescendo or peak, at which point they have to stop and often lie down or recline backwards. So lean back and extend the spine to relieve the pain. And the typical movements that contribute to this are Standing up and leaning forward slightly. And unfortunately, that is sort of the position of work for humans. So when we are washing up, for example, or preparing food or doing a jigsaw or working on the keyboard, we're leaning forward slightly, putting the weight of our upper torso and head on the front of our spine. And for people with vertebral fractures, I think that is what is contributing to this crescendo or peak in pain. The time to reach in this peak varies, it seems to be much shorter in people who are older, possibly because they have less muscular mass around their spine. And pain in people with vertebral fractures tends to improve enormously on lying down. So people with vertebral fractures often get quite a good night's sleep. And these descriptions are different to people who have back pain due to osteoarthritis arthritis where often lying down is one of the worst times. Patients with osteoarthritis also tend to describe um, pain shooting down the legs or pain worse with cold and damp weather and those two things don't seem to occur in people with pain due to vertebral fractures.
0: That's consultant rheumatologist Emma Clark. Sarah Leyland is a nurse consultant now working for the Royal Osteoporosis Society, a charity that provides information and support for people living with osteoporosis. It has many resources, including a specialist nurse team-led helpline.
2: Our aims are to make sure that people get the um, help that they need, so certainly in terms of care, making sure people are diagnosed appropriately and get access to the appropriate medications and treatment in order to prevent fractures. We've got a new focus again more recently on prevention, so making sure that people who are younger, who are not yet affected by the condition, are making lifestyle changes to keep their bones strong and get the best bones they can, to put them in the best position before they lose bone in in later life. We're also very interested in a model of care within the health service that's picking up those people who are at the highest risk of further fractures. So we're supporting a model of care called Fracture Liaison Services, where when someone breaks a bone um, they get a proper assessment to check out could this be related to osteoporosis um, and people get assessed and they get treated and they get followed up so um, specialist teams so it's making sure people are fed into that system so we're very interested in preventing fractures but we also have always had a role to play in terms of support so people either wanting information local support groups peer support and, or coming through to our specialist helpline and getting access quite rapidly um, there and we also support health professionals so we run conferences training programs try and giving them the, the tools they need to help them do their job
0: what? So people worry about most who contact a helpline?
2: They're worried, obviously, about the impact of osteoporosis on their, f- on their future life, on, on both their day-to-day living and quality of life, but also that it might shorten their life. They've heard about people dying as a result of osteoporosis. Uh, so people ring us and they're fearful. They may have had a diagnosis. Someone's told them they've got osteoporosis and they want to know what the future will hold. They also actually often ring us if they're worried about the drug treatments, the medicines. They don't want to take them unless they really need to. They've heard about health risks associated with the medications. We talk a lot about that. And then at the other end of the, of the continuum, we talk to people who've had fractures, particularly vertebral spinal fractures, who are living day-to-day with pain and symptoms and are struggling often and not getting the care and the help that they need.
0: If somebody were phoning you, I mean, this might happen with lots of conditions, that people really want that help at primary level, GP level, and, and they feel they're not, perhaps not being taken seriously, but not yes. being listened to. Yes. And, well, what, you know, How would you advise somebody to go back to a healthcare professional, a GP, and say, listen, please, will you look at this? Please, yes. I'm worried about this.
2: Yeah. I think that's where... Being informed makes people feel a bit more confident and that's where the charity can be helpful because if people know a little bit more about the condition and what the options are, then they're more ready. We also encourage people to be, and this is the same as for any condition, but be prepared for their appointment because there's so little time. So going with your questions ready and sticking to those and, and perhaps writing things down, maybe taking someone with you if you don't feel very confident. We can't advise you what to do, but we can take you a bit further down the pathway, help them to understand who might need a off to a specialist because everybody doesn't need to go to the hospital but some people may benefit from that, particularly younger people, because the treatments and the, the, the care pathway um, is not so clear in a younger person.
0: Sarah Leyland of the Royal Osteoporosis Society. Now earlier in this edition of Airing Pain, rheumatologist Emma Clark talked about her research into developing a method whereby it would be easier for health professionals in primary care GPs, that is, to identify a vertebral fracture as opposed to osteoarthritis.
1: The whole point of this research is to produce a very simple, uh, what we're calling a clinical tool, so basically a checklist, and it is absolutely aimed at GP practices and the first point of contact, and whether that is a GP, as as I say, a nurse or a physiotherapist. And the goal is, is that in the next few years, we will have this simple checklist, and when an older person goes to their GP practice with back pain. The healthcare professional produces this simple checklist and asks, you know, okay, have you previously broken a bone? Is your back pain worse when you lean forward? Is it better at night? I don't know exactly what it's going to include because we're currently doing the research. Ideally, this is going to be an app, so it's uh, just done very quickly in the computer. And the answer will come up, this person needs an X-ray or this person does not need an x-ray and it will recommend an x-ray if the checklist has suggested this person is may well have a broken bone in their back due to osteoporosis so a vertebral fracture so
0: you mentioned earlier that it can well maybe not be reversed but perhaps the progress stalled or halted
1: there are two sort of pathways of management of help that should be given to people with an osteoporotic vertebral fracture and the first are interventions to improve their pain their quality of life and their fatigue posture and the second is as you say to reduce the risk of further fractures so those large cells I talked about those osteoclasts that walk along the surface of the bone and take a little bite out we have a medication available that inhibits them.
0: Now what can we do Earlier in life mm. to manage our later life osteoporosis. Yeah.
1: I think it would be really helpful at this point to remind everybody that actually our peak bone mass is quite strongly determined by our genes, our genetics. So probably 80% of our peak bone mass is determined by the way we're made so osteoporosis is not our fault in the majority of situations but there are some things we can do to really optimize our peak bone mass such as do not smoke do not drink excess alcohol and it is alcohol excess that's also associated with poor nutrition that is probably bad In terms of nutrition, daily protein intake is really important, and calcium intake is really important. As a growing person, we should have over one pint of milk per day or equivalent, and as an adult, we should have one pint of milk per day or equivalent. Now obviously there are other foods that you can get calcium from that's not just dairy products and there are lots of really useful resources online such as the Royal Osteoporosis Society where people can go and look and and identify if they're getting enough calcium in their diet. Vitamin D is also really important and Vitamin D is a vitamin that we get through the sun, actually. And it is not possible to get enough in a normal diet. We do need to expose our skins to the sun. And this can be tricky because the other messages, health messages, of don't burn because of the risk of skin cancer. So there's definitely a balance. Plus also if somebody's poorly and they can't go outside, if somebody's got dark skin if somebody covers up for whatever reason and therefore does not expose their skin to the sun and they should probably take vitamin D supplementation um, to ensure that we get enough vitamin D. Part of our problem is also we live in the UK so it rarely uh, gets enough sun and um, occasionally when the sun comes out it can be very fierce and so it's a bit of an issue for us in the UK. So vitamin D supplementation is recommended to all adults probably over the age of 65, 70, but also other people who don't get enough vitamin D younger than that. And then physical activity. Our bones are amazing, and if we use them as we're growing, they will grow stronger. Tennis players, for example, their hands that they hold the racket in, we can show on our scans is the bones are stronger than the hand they don't hold the racket in. And this makes sense. You know, If you use it, it builds up. If you don't use it, you lose it.
0: Rheumatologist Emma Clark, well bearing what she said in mind, nurse consultant Sarah Leyland of the Royal Osteoporosis Society has been developing exercise and physical activity resources for people with osteoporosis.
2: The project that I've been working on is looking at what is the role of exercise for someone with osteoporosis and by osteoporosis I mean in the wider sense people who've got reduced bone strength with or without fractures. And the project focused on three main areas that exercise continued to be important. So it was important for uh, maintaining muscle and therefore bone strength, or promoting maybe some improvements, though the evidence isn't very clear. But secondly, exercise being really important in terms of improving balance uh, and muscle strength to prevent you falling, because if you don't fall, then some of the fractures that we get with osteoporosis are never going to occur, so not falling is, is important we talked about strong steady and the third area was about straight so how exercise can help you with posture help you moving and lifting and that may help to reduce further spinal fractures simply by the sort of pressures you're putting particularly on the front part of the spine but there are ways that exercise might help with the pain you may get after fractures so there's some simple exercises we're providing which might help with the immediate pain problems but then others that help to build up the muscles around the spine because the long-term problems that we get with osteoporosis are after you've had a spinal fracture it's healed but the shape of your spine doesn't go back to what it was so it's often the muscle spasm the ligament strain perhaps even the pinching of nerves. So it's a more sort of complex problem, the long-term pain. But exercise can help there as well.
0: So you said strong, steady and straight. straight. So these
2: are just three words that we use to capture the different ways that exercise can help with osteoporosis. It was just trying to get people to not only think about promoting bone strength but think about preventing falls. And also to help people who are very fearful. Because one of the big things is that particularly if you've had one fracture, you're terrified that if you do anything, if you move, if you live, you're going to get another fracture. And and so the whole project was about positivity and helping people to feel confident, to carry on life normally, but with some small adaptations or feeling that they could take control a bit.
0: That's Sarah Leyland of the Royal Osteoporosis Society. Well, before we end this edition of Airing Pain, I'll just remind you that whilst we in Pain Concern believe the information and opinions on airing pain are accurate and sound based on the best judgments available, you should always consult your health professional on any matter relating to your health and well-being. He or she is the only person who knows you and your circumstances and therefore the appropriate action to take on your behalf. You can find all the resources to support the management of chronic pain, including details of our helpline, videos, leaflets, all editions of Airing Pain and Pain Matters magazine at painconcern.org.uk. And for a wealth of information on how to live well with osteoporosis, go to the Royal Osteoporosis Society's website, which is theros.org.uk. And the ROS, there are no gaps in it, theros.org.uk. Here's the Society's Sarah Leyland to finish this edition of Airing Pain
2: we've got a new range of exercise both fact sheets and video clips so you can go online and have a look at how to do the exercises so for instance in the back pain section you can read about how the exercises may help and you can see some simple diagrams about just two or three simple exercises that you can do straight away plus a short video for those who have a computer who can kind of see how to do it and how to adapt according to where they are so if they've got multiple fractures and they're, they're frailer they can still do something because one of the things we hear is people quite often even if they've had painful spinal fractures they might see the specialist the rheumatologist who says I'll give you a referral to the physio great they don't get the referral for about six weeks they sit at home Uh, one woman told me the rheumatologist said don't do anything till you see the physio and she literally sat in the chair sort of paralyzed with with anxiety whereas we try to give people quick access to information so they can not only get the care they need but they can do something now that might help them.